You're listening to the Rainbow Clipper Musical Explosion! <laughs> Yes, this is the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion, and I am your host, CZG123, and I'm in the place to be. Yo, please subscribe. You can listen to this program on most every major podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, on and on. But you can also visit czg123.blogspot.com where you can follow me there as well. And there's an embedded radio player so you can listen to all the episodes while checking out these articles that I've written with regards to different aspects of music. So yeah, that's the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. Again, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. Um, We're coming back to a segment that I love on this program known as Why Music? Where I sit down with someone and I ask them, how did music, uh, how has music had an impact on your life? You know, like, what influenced you? What did you listen to? What do you listen to? What's your involvement with music? Do you have any musical background? You know, this sort of thing. So, uh, today on My Music, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brother Gary DeFranco. Uh, this guy has led quite a life, um, and uh, he's going to tell you his story. Uh, and, you know, some of it is just like wild. It's very, very wild <laughs> to what Gary DeFranco has lived through, uh, as, as you're about to uh, find out when you listen. Uh, so really, you know, you've tuned in at the perfect time, and that's Rainbow Flipper time. You all, you all know what I'm talking about. So don't go anywhere, and please don't forget to share this program with your friends, family, and your enemies. Yes, even your enemies, because perhaps... Things may change once they hear this radio show. Don't go anywhere. Here's a quick message. Perfect. You know, I wouldn't trade this moment for the world. And thanks to Sound Distributors, I can own this memory forever. Introducing the world's first six and a half pound all-in-one camera video recorder from Sony. No wires, no bulky recorder. And best of all, I didn't have to buy it. I rent it from Sound Distributors for just $29.95 a day or $39.95 for the weekend. Now I can make my own movies for less than it would cost to take the family to see one. Perfect for your family's special occasions or for your intimate bedroom encounters. Rent a beta movie and own a memory from Sound Distributors. With me on the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion right now, I have the pleasure of speaking with brother Gary DeFranco. Now, Gary DeFranco has a lot of experience under his belt. Uh, this man has just done it all. Uh, he actually comes from Cleveland, Ohio initially. Uh, but now uh, resides in Las Vegas, and he has been working with the UFC for close to a little over 20 years, and he has also produced like 40 seasons of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, shows for Playboy Channel, Discovery, ESPN, and uh, he has a real passion for music. So on this segment, Why Music, uh, as you know, I love to find out why people are gravitated to uh, music. So Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, you know, so tell me, you're, you're, uh, you're growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Um, what, what are your, what's playing in your house? Like when you're growing up, what kind of music are you exposed to? Who's listening to what? Um, I 
parents they never played instruments or anything but they were very into music you know my whole life so mm-hmm. i grew up with a, a lot i'm italian so i grew up with a lot of like louis prima and frank sinatra type yes. stuff um <laughs> my mom loved motown a lot um still does four mm-hmm. tops uh smoky robinson and al green and stuff like that and my dad was into like sticks and some of the more 70s 80s rock too so i got Pretty much everything but classical or, or country at the time growing up. And then, you know, the environment I was in, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of hip-hop music. Uh, you know, I'm in my 40s now. Grew up, you know, started listening to music. I'd say in the late 80s, early 90s is when I kind of figured out what I liked. So hip-hop was, you know, ruling the world, you know, where I was at. So that's kind of what I gravitated towards, you know, when I was rebelling from the parents type thing. I don't like your music, Mom, Dad. I don't want to listen to... Right. You know, Two Live Crew or NWA or <laughs> and Public Enemy and, and Wu Tang and stuff like that. So. Any uh, any uh, punk music in that rebellion or mostly hip hop? Not too much punk. Um, I had a stepsister for a while that was into um, like Danzig and Rancid and uh, oh, nice. like a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I liked a lot of it, but I don't remember exactly like what it was. You listen to Misfits a lot, Dead Kennedys. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure what classified as punk or, you know, she listened to like some hardcore stuff. And yeah. so it was good to like, that was good. Like get your anger out music or like, I, I always respected like how they played the instruments really quickly. And, you know, some people heard noise, but you know, I always saw the talent in it as well. So totally a little bit of it for sure. So what, what gravitates you towards hip hop? I mean, I find that interesting, right? You're growing up, you're listening to Louis Prima, a lot of Motown, your stepsister is going off with uh, listening to like the hardcore stuff. What what gets you into hip hop at the time? Just, uh, kids in the neighborhood, kids on the back of the bus. Um, you know, people were, were always freestyling and rapping, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I started. I was always pretty quick witted. You know, I was always the short kid. Always kind of didn't fit in. I couldn't play sports that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I grew up in an Italian barber shop and. You know, on the east side of Cleveland, so there's a lot of like shit talking, and that yeah. led to being good at battling. And you know, I like to write and stuff. So, maybe 13 years old, started at school like with my ABC raps, and we'd, <laughs> you know, start rapping against each other. And that's great. That yeah, it's really terrible, but you know, every start somewhere, I suppose. So it's so fun. And you know what? Those are the times that just I really I, I believe helps uh, develop that skill for just sort of thinking on your feet, right? that you can use later in life yeah like just sort of that approach to just like i'm gonna you know whatever comes into my mind and then you get to develop those ideas as you get older um i have to ask you what is this i i understand and i read about uh, shooting a porn with dennis robin and mark cuban yeah so um i've been in the television industry for 20 years i've done mm-hmm. a lot of reality tv around in 2006 or 2007, I had just moved to L.A. and I got a job um, on a show called Geek to Freak with Dennis Rodman, which was on HDNet, which wow. Mark Cuban owned. Um, it was actually the first original show broadcast in high definition in the United States. Wow. Um, it's a terrible show. And um, the, the premise was Dennis would turn a geek into a freak. So he turned in like a classic violinist chick into a punk rocker, turned like a figure skater into a roller derby. Oh, man. It was, sounds 
okay but it was pretty rough a chess champion into a rapper and then one was this uh scientist uh phd student from i believe ucla and they turned him into a porno movie director wow uh, you couldn't do this on tv now (laughs) but yeah um yeah so it was a full-on adult film in chatsworth which is where they're all made if you don't know it's part of the valley in los angeles and it's where all porn is made for the most part and Mm -hmm. um yeah we went and uh didn't know what to expect and they did an audition and the, the kid picked which girls he wanted and then ended up directing a full scene a girl on girl porn scene and uh wow i'd have to talk to mark cuban almost every day and fill him in on what we did that day or the day before and you know rodman was the star so we'd interview him and kind of talk through what to do and oh, mark, yeah mark cuban wasn't wow. mark cuban then you know like yeah. before shark tank and stuff it was He's a billionaire. He's owner of the Mavs. Like really cool guy. Totally. Like famous. So now it's like even more weird. Um. Yeah. It was. That was an interesting show to work on. It was. Yeah. Um. So I'm interested here. So uh, I understand. You know, it's. Uh. You know, at school, and, and you're you're making some rhymes. You're freestyling. And did you ever? A dabble other than that with music did you ever pick up a guitar did you ever get a dj set or have someone make beats for you did you ever start getting musical well i played the trumpet for a year in fourth grade wow um, but um that was, i wasn't very good at it um during the time i started making music you know my friends were the djs and producers so i mm-hmm. was just the rapper and we'd open up shows for bone thugs and harmony in the early 90s which wow was really cool experience um they were everything wow. in Cleveland, you know, like, yeah, were, you know, and that song with uh, Biggie came out, every single car in Cleveland played that thing on repeat for months, it seemed like, like yeah, it's the only song you heard, um, and they, yeah, I was really into music, um, all through high school, I got in a lot of trouble, um, in that, <laughs> that time, and I kind of, uh, made a good amount of mistakes, but the music was one of the things that kind of kept me on the, the right path enough, and then, mm-hmm. um, I was in a lot of trouble at that time and I ended up moving to Las Vegas, which is where you move if you're getting into too much trouble. You know, you move from Cleveland to Las Vegas. That's our move. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So when I, uh, when I got out here, I ended up getting into college and then um, ended up managing record stores in college and uh, had different rap groups. And ultimately, like, I ended up, this is crazy, but I ended up signing with Death Row Records, which took Knight himself. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it was, that was another crazy experience. But a month later, he ran over a parking attendant, went to prison, and everything folded. Oh. So uh, that was, uh, I put 10 years, I'd say, you know, first few years, not that serious. But from like 16 or 17 to 24, I put a lot of time, effort, really trying to make it. And it was kind of like, get really close, mm-hmm. huge letdown, get really close, huge letdown. And, you know, for the, the younger listeners, like, this was the time where we had to sell tapes and cassettes out of the trunk of our car. And, That's right. You know, you had to go to a studio, like, to make music. Yeah. Um, there's no laptops. I mean, the Fruity Loops and stuff, maybe I just started coming out. But it was tough. You know, in, in Cleveland, we'd have to go to a studio in the wrong side of town, in enemy territory. And yeah. Someone, you know, wait by the door with a pistol or rifle, and we'd record, and then we'd switch spots. And uh, just to make sure nothing happened, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, two studios back then, the really hood studio and like the really good one that we couldn't afford. So right, um, 
And now it's just different. Everyone can promote and produce themselves in the comfort of their own home, right? Everyone has like a home studio. Um, So, but yeah, I totally do remember that time of uh, up and coming uh, rappers and MCs just sort of, mostly I've seen them, you know, they used to hang out in front of record stores, yeah, you know, and just sort of stand there with their, um, with their CDs. And for a lot of them, it wasn't just like, you don't, you know, obviously you can, you can buy them, but a lot of folks just wanted their music to be heard. So it really yeah. is like a, a, a different, interesting time, which leads me to ask you, what, what do you make of today's state of hip hop? Well, I'm one of those guys now with the, the home studio, which, you know, I'm blessed to be able to have and I built it during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, after that stuff with, uh death row and everything went down i started i moved into television that's a a whole crazy other story how i got into that but i got into that and i was like i have to put all my eggs in that basket you know music had been letting me down it was taking up too much time yeah depressing me and you know at the time i was living 20 deep in a three-bedroom apartment we didn't even have a front door wow uh, wow going off at some point the building wouldn't replace it so so many people that live there the building wouldn't replace the front door Nah, they were pretty upset about it getting blown off. So, wow. <laughs> it's one of those kind of places. So, I mean, that's a good uh, time to call uh, Suge Knight over. Yeah, he was in prison at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I take it, I mean, like, so what was that? What, how were your interactions with Suge Knight? What was that like? What's he like? Well, uh, I managed a record store in Las Vegas at the time, and okay. we'd close at 5 or 6 on Sunday, and then he would come in right around closing time with his entourage, and mm-hmm. we'd close the shop down, and they would shop. Um, so he went to UNLV, it's where I went, and we had some other random shit in common, and he'd come in, and we'd talk a little bit, and wow. I didn't have the balls, like, at the first couple times to, like, really do much, um, and he'd, he'd have, like, guys from the Dog Pound and some big groups, like, with him and everything, and... Uh, this guy Jermaine that I worked with, he's one of my best friends still today. Um, he's from LA, and you know, we all we did is talk music. It was a great time to work at the record store. But finally, he's like, "Man, you gotta fucking do something, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this guy's the guy. Like, you need yeah. to fucking grow a pair, basically." Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck it." So I was like, "Yo, I rap." And like, he's like, kind of blew me off at first. I'm like, "I see you got a couple guys with you that rap." He's like, "I don't know if they battle. I'll battle them. Like, I'm better than them. Like." At the nice. time, like, I'm better than Eminem. Like, I'm the best white boy rap. Like, I was Scott, and he's like, oh, sure, whatever. So I started rapping and started pretty bad, and then it got better and better. And really pissed off a couple of the guys that he was with because I was saying wow. some shit that they didn't like. And we yeah. almost got in a fight. And it was like big, you know, everyone's like separating each other in the middle of the store. And I like just fucking kind of went a little, little crazy. It was like, fuck that shit. And wow. All the balls. And, you know, he's like, you know, you know, got you got anything else? And we popped in a CD that I had. He's like, man, you're fucking good. It's like he's like, you'll get better, but you know, have balls like that. He's like, that's the kind of shit that we like. He's like, wow. I'm gonna make some calls to my people in Cleveland to make sure you, you know, you are who you say you are, and there's nothing funny with you, and I'm gonna be back. So he left. I don't know if he really called anybody or not. And he's like, you know, he's like, you want, he's like, you want to be on Death Row Records? I was like, yep, yeah, I sure as fuck do. <laughs> and he's like, well, wow. Get home to see you know tonight at nine o'clock and. It's like exactly what you expect. Went up to the suite. It's like 50 dudes in there smoking weed and a bunch of hookers everywhere. Wow. Like, wow. And he's like, sign this shit. This is before you heard the vanilla ice getting hung off the balcony. So yeah, yeah. He's like, it's probably, I never even got a copy of it. Probably the worst record in the history of the world. Um, signed all these papers that they had. And he's like, all right, someone will call you next week. Like the secretary or whoever called me. Mm-hmm. 
set up a meeting to go out to LA. I went out there. Um, it was kind of like during a crazy time. I ended up meeting with a couple engineers and producers and mm. went over some beats and stuff. And they gave me a CD to take home to start working on. And I ran that dude over. <laughs> Amazing. So you know, so you so the chance to actually release an album uh, became nil once he was arrested, or did anyone? Yeah, that, okay. Yeah, my contract was like in some gray area. They wouldn't even send it to me. And then you know, a couple weeks later, their phones were all turned off. The office was shut down. Um, wow. And it was just like the record store I was working at was shutting down because they were all were at the time. Mm-hmm. I was broke, getting in trouble, like. It's like, I'm going to move back to Cleveland. And, yeah. Uh, my mom's like, I'll get you in a barber school. My grandpa was a barber for 70 something years. And like, we'll get you in a barber school and like, you know, figure your life out. And I had other friends that were like, Hey, we got some stuff that we could give you to sell and mm-hmm. make money. And, you know, other shit that probably would have led to my death. Um, yeah. And, uh, when you turned it all got, around and you got into television. Yeah. yeah I got really lucky. I yeah. A friend come out um that i've gone to college with and he said i'm working on the discovery channel show you got a couch i could crash on he said it's the worst couch you've ever seen in your life and we're out <laughs> here in like nine days but you could do that um so he came and like three days later maybe less than a week before i was going to move home he's like we need an assistant cameraman at my job you, you want to do it mm-hmm. i don't know anything about camera work whatever he's like i'll teach you um my old man like he was he was like my mom worked for the church for 35 years. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. My dad was like kind of old, like neighborhood guy. And, you know, he's a tough guy. And my mom was a good girl. So it had kind of the yin and the yang there. But my dad always supported me too. And That's great. Um, That's everything. He fought, yeah. He fought the sound guy on the last show I ever performed because my mic kept cutting out. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, the hell with this? What are you doing to my son's performance? Yeah. yeah. So I got... I got good parents, you know, they were split up quite young and my mm-hmm. mom, you know, raised me on her own for the most part and wow. it was tough, but you know, she never, you know, to this day, she's, you know, if I send her my music or anything or whatever I'm doing, she's the biggest fan. And, Amazing. You know, That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you wind, how do you wind up opening for Bone Thugs and Harmony? Uh, they're just from the same area as us. Right. And, there's little shows at the mall back then and like little venues and you know there wasn't tons of rappers around so we just were persistent and yeah you know, we'd meet like first or second out of 10 groups or whatever on some of these or you know we'd get up there and they give us two minutes but um that last show i ever performed live was in 2004 i believe and that was at unlv and it just happened to be a bone thugs and harmony show too they were coming to campus and you know i knew the guys that ran all that stuff at school yeah we got on there and so it was like the first show i ever did and the last show i ever did you know 1994 and 2004 you know yeah so was writing during that time were you still writing rhymes and just not performing or recording yeah i would write it became more of like a journal more but like Mm -hmm. i'd also write raps in there too and um you know in my brain i was freestyling every time i was driving somewhere or shower walking around town so it's like yeah it was, it was it was kind of working but um i was like you know if i go down that path again it's gonna stop me from my other goals that i currently had and it'd be heartbreak and so i decided like i'm not gonna do it for money i'm not gonna alter 
what I do or care what other people think. Like, I'm going to make music the way I like to make it. And, like, if I make a few bucks, great. Not great. Um, and I learned a lot about, you know, entertainment business and a lot. I've worked a lot with the record companies and things, mm-hmm. you know, in the TV business since and have connections. So, you know, I was like, I'm going to build a studio in my house and have all this, you know, give guys and girls, like, a chance to, you know, have a space to work and yeah. try to promote them. So do a lot of album art now um oh cool that's great i've been an artist too so i like grew up doing graffiti and stuff and wow that same COVID time i learned photoshop and, you know a bunch of different programs and so I like i do art for people i'll uh you know help them craft mm-hmm. their albums help them with their websites and marketing and social media and all that stuff so that's um, great and that's while you're also producing in television and in, in the world of ufc yeah so i've uh Right around that same time I got that first job uh, was for Discovery Channel about a casino in Las Vegas, which happened to be owned by the same people that owned the UFC. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, like, uh, a year in, the Ultimate Fighter idea came up, and I was the only one that knew about the UFC. Wow. Um, in the company at the time. So I mean, now it's huge. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was very small back then. I mean, they weren't even on – they were just getting back onto pay-per-view, and they didn't really have a TV deal. and Right. At a very small, like three office building. Wow. You know, now it's like a huge complex billion dollar building, probably. But yeah. Um, and are there any other form, uh, any other genres of music that you uh, have gravitated towards, or you're pretty much uh, hip hop? Well, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't like your parents' shit, no matter what, really, I feel right. like. And. You know, I love this music that they love now. But, you know, I'd, I'd be driving around and I'd hear a song. I'd be like, oh, mom, you pumping that new Biggie? And then it would be the original that they sampled. And she's like, this is, yeah. this is you know? Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, what? And, you know, it's just like, this is the Gap Band. I'm like, what the fuck is the Gap Band? You know, like, it's not, no, it's not, you know, like. And uh, we had this place called Downtown Records in Cleveland. And there's an old Jewish guy that owned it named Saul Moss. And uh, I don't, I don't think he's probably still around because he was a little older back then but mm-hmm. um that guy i mean it was like a guy character off a movie you know this was in the hood in downtown cleveland <laughs> yeah and he was an old jewish guy and he knew every he put on a song he was like knew the sample like immediately wow like, that's from this record from 1969 b side of this like he would tell you and uh he would call these gangster dudes out they'll come in with their tapes he'd be like shit's not good like you need to come wow. back when it's better you know, it's like the recording's terrible. Like, could do better. You know, and he, would, but he would, he would like, it was like twenty miles probably a bike ride to this place through like a lot of enemy territory. Yeah, and uh, we would get there somehow. You know, and he didn't care if you bought shit or whatever. Like, hang out, and you know, that's where I like ended up meeting like a lot of the different people from different parts of the town. And um, that yeah. place was highly, you know, that was a highly influential person in my life. And. You know, seeing this, you know, old white guy like in that community and be accepted and have the knowledge and no one yeah. ever, you know, said anything about him being white or old or anything. Like they came in there, he would, you know, he'd he'd recommend music to people. Mm-hmm. That's you beautiful. wouldn't think he would know, but he'd be like, uh, you know, he's the one that turned me on to like Del the Funky Homo Sapien. You know, it's like, oh it's wow, like, that's great. See, I love that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about music. Yeah, it's just like everyone. It doesn't really matter. Like. You could uh, just to be able to know all those songs and have someone come in and be into, and then also to have it all on vinyl. You know, I think that's the other thing that I miss uh, these days are 
just you know really having that vinyl and, and, and or tapes and just like wearing them out from so much listening that's really cool you know it's just great for the community to have someone like that um yeah. so a good dude you know cared a lot about people and he's very passionate and, but always yeah. you know he was getting people into classical music and different things and telling me oh you like that well do you check this out you know you like check out linda ronstadt if you think mariah carey's great like yeah you know. uh so i gotta ask you who are who this is gonna be tough are your top three favorite mcs of all time yeah that is pretty tough um it changes a little okay but i like sean price a lot me too um, he's great like the, the guys he was hilarious um lyrical i really loved the boot camp click shit like growing up black moon and uh smith and wesson yeah. yeah so like, good really rock and rock yeah. i mean come on you know it's just like oh man yeah that's he he's always kind of like he's always up there and then yeah. like as far as wu-tang i was always a humongous wu-tang fan still am um you know i was always always been like kind of like don't go with the main thing everybody else likes so like i always thought inspector deck was my favorite but yeah uh face and everybody um it's tough you know i was a big i still am a big big l fan he never had enough time to like put out a huge catalog of music but his wordplay and you know the way that you know yeah he articulated himself and really you know that's somebody I listen to a lot um i'm really into griselda now i listen to benny the butcher and conway the machine and west side gun and shit a lot as far as newer music um so i think i probably listen to benny the butcher more than anybody that's newer interesting um, yeah they uh for people that don't know they're from buffalo new york and uh they have like a, a 90s boom bap style but with Great. their own spin on it and it sounds old but new and like they're grimy yeah but like it's they play some really they have really awkward beat choices that are like wouldn't you wouldn't think they would work but they do and so you're listening to the rainbow flipper musical explosion niggas can't talk this shit like i talk it because niggas ain't been where i've been i told niggas that like three years ago who better than preserve <laughs> nigga who did it like us nigga yeah uh, niggas say they nice but don't shake shit up like the butch I got a movie deal but chillin' cause my real life like a book Blue steel knife for the jook so don't be that life that I took And next time you sneak diss me just pay me I write the hook, now look who the bread earner The east side Ted Turner In this business it's best to stay out your feelings to advance further Can't shake the bitch, I told her I get the neck but I can't serve you She not my type but I pop the connect so I can't curve her before a bullet wound, it was shit that permanently hurt me. In a wheelchair, it was hard to smile on my 36th birthday. Being honest, this could be karma I probably deserve in the first place. The shit I'm thinking about on the jet that's landing in Burbank. Fuck rap, we be back plugging whole units, the worst case. These jewels on my shirt say, bitch, come here, I don't skirt chase. Put us over, and that was my fourth felony, certainly. Got a warning, I be in Lewisburg right now if they search me. Locked in with plugs, so I know that shit y'all copping no good. They get the drop. I'm the type to send fiends to shop in your hood. I'm like 95 KG 
G, nigga. I'm with the Wolves, but me and City, Mike and Pippin' for Rodman got to the Bulls. Uh, before we talk paper, let's make a simple assessment. My little crypto investment was probably triple your necklace. On this episode of Flavor of Love, your bitch a contestant. So she don't never suck dick the first night. This an exception. Hide the paper, someone safe for place. Them dicks won't expect it. Now calculate how long it's gonna take to get to your weapon. No love songs. I kept it gangster 24 7. You crying ass rappers, labels should send y'all niggas to Ellen. Hey, yo, push, let me highlight. Wait, Wait, chill, chill. Give me one second. Nah, that niggas like hoes who can talk when y'all done begging. Nah, let's talk about the shit that I did to become legend. Cause the money not enough no more. I want credit. Uh uh. The money not enough for this. Feel like I made too much of it. Seven figure deal, tell my plug I'm still hustling. Ten year anniversary, Soprano still bubbling. A buffalo nigga with a flow nobody fucking with. The race I already won. I guess this lap was for victory. Doing songs with bigger acts, and they tell me that's going industry. But look back at my history. For the past five years, it's like my status been tripling. I get back with humility. Make no excuses. Came to the conclusion that y'all should hate me. They want to do this, but my shooters been cutting off water lately. Too rich to incarcerate. To rate me on charges, them odds is shaky. The feds watch me get an M on TV like I'm Carson Daly. Streets tore me apart, my heart cold like an orphan baby. The pain, the reminder, I feel like these are the scars that made me. Had my best run when I lost shape. Of course it's crazy. I asked God to bring him back, pray jump out his coffin maybe. And all white like I ain't never sinned, but you would never win. How you gonna call me Hollywood bitch? And you ain't never been. You know my regiment, CLS Benz, that I ain't never rent. First thing she do is tell her friend if I ever let her in. They want to know how I'm up off records that they don't never spend. Another 10 steps ahead of them by the time it all settle in. When I drop, rappers fucked in this time, they dead again. I got a closet full of measuring cups and their presidents, the butcher, nigga. <laughs> ready? So this is what I mean by a director voice, Blue. <laughs> Gotta make sure people hear you. Be sad. Little lizard came to be 
shit work, another plan to heaven. Follow the Lord on 24 7 days. God is who we pray, even though the devil's all up in my face. But he keeping me safe and in my place. Say grace to the gates of race, but I change the face of judge. And I got my soul with bugs. Grudge me, there's no mercy for thugs. Ooh, what can I do? It's all about the family and how we grow. Can I get a witness? Let it unfold. We live in our lives, we turn our soul. Rich. 
bitches than you. Fuck more bitches than you. Only thing I haven't got is more stitches than you. Fucking punk, you ain't a leader. What? Nobody followed you. You was never shit. Your mother should have swallowed you. You want some tag along, flunky? Yes, man, shit. Do me a favor, please get off the next man dick. And if you think I can't fuck with whoever, put your money up. Put your jewels up, no fuck it, put your honey up Put your raggedy house up, nigga Or shut your mouth up before I buck lead And make a lot of bloodshed Turn your tux red, I'm far from broke, got enough bread And mad hoes, ask Beavis, I get nothing but head My game is vicious and cruel, fucking chicks is a rule If my girl think I'm loyal, then that bitch is a fool How come you can listen to my first album And tell where a lot of niggas got their whole style from So what you acting for, you ain't half as raw You need to practice more Somebody tell this nigga son, for I crack his jaw I'm running with boys and running with men. I'ma be ripping the mics until I'm 110. Have that niggas like, damn, but this nigga done done it again. I throw slugs at idiots. No love for city cops. I sport a pretty watch. 850 rocks. I'm making wonderful figures. I don't fuck with none of you niggas. I might pull out this gun on you niggas and rob every last one of you niggas. Yeah. yeah. What? Tired. But somebody talked. That, was, yeah. that wasn't too bad. That was, of course, Big L. 98 Freestyle on the Stretch and Bobito show. And before that, you heard from Bone Thugs and Harmony with Crossroads. That's a really cool track right there. And then sitting off that musical explosion, we heard from Benny the Butcher with Bust a Brick Nick. Uh, this is the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. Don't forget to check out ccg123.bogspot.com. Why music? I'm interviewing brother Gary DeFranco to find out why music has affected or how it has affected his life. And just like a lot of it came up, like you know, the what they had to work with, you know, the yeah, the grimy, gritty sound came from shitty, you know, equipment. There was a grandma's basement, you know, yeah, like, it's a sound that people like will spend, you know, they'll go to a big studio and try to like recreate this sound of the dusty old records. It's or just Beatles organic. It's just so yeah. organic, you know? And also, I believe Protect Your Neck was one of those situations, yeah, where they were, like, selling the single out of the back of their car. Yeah, I'm sure they were, you know? And it was like... Yeah. Like, just really... Did, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was, like, the whole thing. Like, we... Okay, we have this much money, like, the five of us. Like, all right, I'm going to buy the Method Man tape. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you're going to buy this one. All right, let's take a fucking flyer on one. It looks yeah. cool, you know? And then it sucks, Fuck, you know, yeah. god damn it. You know, and we t- take our mom's Barry Manilow tapes or whatever and put a little yeah. scotch tape over those little bumps on the top yes. and like rub it off so then we'd all have a copy. Like, it was a, like a mission. Amazing. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's the original uh, Napster LimeWire, right? Just like yeah. swapping and it's like it, it's, still, it's still the same thing. You're getting that music for free because it's coming from someone else. Uh, yeah, Wu-Tang Man. I mean, they just... Also, I think it was exciting just to see, like, more than, like, four or five people. It was just, like, such a, a posse up on the stage that was just, like, overwhelming. But somehow they managed to each get their verses in. Like, when you would hear a, a posse track with all of them, it was just like, wow, you know? Yeah. And then they were able to branch off through that. I mean, it's just, like, uh, uh, absolutely inc- uh, incredible what they did. And then Big L... Uh, how did you learn about Big L? Because I, he, I believe he's the most underrated MC of all time, and he absolutely should not be, you know? Yeah, I just, uh, I remember this Children of the Corn mixtape, and it was like Mesa and Cameron before they were famous, and Big mm-hmm. L and Herb McGruff, and this one of those, like, you know, we, we, you, they would always, like, three for ten mixtapes or whatever they were at the time, and you know, you'd always get, like, a random one in there, and, you know, yeah. that's how I learned like a, a lot of stuff is just through 
you know, just talking to the guys at the record store, like people that were into hip hop, and then just all these mixtapes. Um, and then when the wind blew just right, sometimes we get this college station from Detroit. I forgot the name of it, and okay. they were always breaking like underground uh, artists. But it was I don't know if it was AM radio or like a really shitty FM channel. But sometimes like we'd always check and um, the box. Uh, I don't know if people remember that, but it used to be like a jukebox, and you'd call a one nine hundred number, and then it would play. Yes. Yes. And uh, random shit from there too. We used to like go over kids we didn't like house, you know, and like call on their number and oh yeah, yeah. rent a bunch of songs and then go home and watch them. Like, cause if it was busy, it might not play for hours, you know. Once you, you know. Yeah. Got it. But it was it was crazy. Like that's how like Murder Inc. got famous. Like they used drug money to quote quote jack the box, and they just spent that's tons right. of money requesting the shit over and over again until. Like, oh, this must be popular, and then yeah, which is really no different than what they did in the 70s, right? I mean, you had all those executives, and they would get their money from like you know, drug exchanges and cartels and produce records. And hey, this why isn't this on the chart? Like, we're gonna kill you, you know? So, I think that's always been in there, which is like really it's just so unreal to think about, you know, what like for it, like when these heroes fall, you know, like Sean Price passes away, uh, ODB, Big L. Uh, do these does that affect you are you just kind of does it blow you away what's what kind of effect do you know the passing of MCs that you admire uh, how does it affect you you know well it's crazy Tupac was 25 when he died and Biggie was 24 like yep. it's nuts to think about we think of them as like adults you know like yeah older you need same, to be same with the Otis Redding I thought he was mad old he was young he looks older, but he was like in his late twenties, I think. Yeah, I mean, these are crazy. I, I guess because we see them so much, and like, yeah, but yeah. Otis Redding, they were all under like, Otis Redding was like twenty five or twenty six too. I'm sure of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was super, he was super young. Like yeah. they were all, like none of them make it past twenty seven. Like the greats, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, which is really weird, but um, you know, it's it, it definitely affects me. You mm -hmm. know, like. Sean Price is someone that I had listened to like so much mm -hmm. and like was always kind of like nobody like really nobody really like knew about him as much like except outside of like the hip hop communities and it's just right you know it's it, anytime like a young person like dies it sucks and then like when they get super talented and like they get cut short of like what contributions they could have made to the world you know it's like yeah you know, I, I don't know you know his I, solo I, work I, is amazing I gotta say if, if, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, wow, that I'm glad they went solo, you know? Um, yeah, it's like them branching out and, you know, yeah. he's always like anybody that's willing to be themselves, you know, and just yeah. like this may or may not work, but this is what I want to do. And like, I'm not trying to just follow the status quo. You know, it's like somebody gets big, you know, like the weekend or and the Migos, then like right. also there's 90 groups. You can't even tell who's who. And, that's right. You know? You know, it's, it's like, wild. It's just really cool. Yeah, if you're like alive when you're doing really good at 26, like go wrap yourself in bubble wrap for a year. Cause like <laughs> Jimi Hendrix was 27 too. Like it's like that fucking 27 cutoff. Like so nuts. Yeah. Hey, so I got to ask you, you know, your experience in, in, uh, you say you did boxing, yeah? Yep. So did your, did boxing and being into martial arts, uh, does that, in a way, make things easier for you, that background in working with the UFC? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember 
um, the woman that was the executive producer of the show I was working on at the time, you know, she came into our office and she was kind of frantic and she's like, does anybody know anything about this UFC shit? Um, and uh, I'm like, yeah, like, me and, me and my, me and my <laughs> yeah, homies, we used, to steal the, yeah, we used to steal the VHS tapes from the video barn. We used to have them back by the pornos. And, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, I do, you know, and, uh, so I have this meeting with, you know, Dana White, who nobody, nobody knew who was at the time, mm. and uh, the Fertitas, who owned, like, half the casinos in Vegas. It's like, I got this meeting about a new show, you know, and, like, I yeah. don't know anything about it. Like, we have this conference call. Like, can you help me? And uh, she she hates me now. She did back then, too, but she needed me. Um, and so I went in this, you know, boardroom with her, and, like, these other people were on, you know, on the phone in L.A. or wherever, and, Mm-hmm. I was just writing on like sticky notes, like Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Coy's crazy, like little notes, and, like passing it to her. And they're like, "Wow, you really know your stuff." And uh, not to me, to her. And then you know, she ended up getting the job to run the Ultimate Fighter. Amazing. Um, so, just that little bit of knowledge right there in that moment changed my whole life. Because if I would have not said anything, I would have not been in that meeting. That's I right. Know who I was, and then, um, you know, like my, you know, like. My but it sounds like you've life. always been able to step up, you know, even with like the Suge Knight thing, you know, your friend is like, hey, man, do you? and then you did. I, you know, like that must like for me, like uh, I would have been pretty intimidated, you know, but I think it's like experiences like that. Then like you flash forward and then you're able to and it's like you speak up. Right. It's like I know that stuff. So that's really, you know, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Where does that come from? You know, where does that your pop, you think? Because he was just kind of like the. The guy in the neighborhood and it's just that confidence i mean i guess it's also martial arts and boxing that gives you this confidence yeah i think it's more it's more even my mother than my father because my dad was a big tough guy so okay. it wasn't like you know i'm like five four and a half you know and my my dad's yeah. five ten but like he's got lunchbox size fist and he's an intimidating looking dude you know right and my mom was a five foot tall church lady but she would never like not speak up like if she saw some sort of injustice or somebody needed a talking to like she there you go shit. You know, okay she would, she would do the right thing or you know she would she would be heard yeah and uh i think like in a way like that that's great was a little you know if i was a big tough guy it probably would have been easier but you know uh yeah. i got really good at like picking my spots you know i used to just you know, I'm on my fourth nose, I like to say, because I've had my nose broken so many times, and you can oh, see the different stages. God. Um, so I got better at picking my spots, <laughs> like when you speak up, I think. Oh, I got, wow. Yeah, people, you know, and I, I I was probably the same when I was younger, but, you know, I guess... I you want to, to follow your own path, I guess, and don't or don't want to hear any sort of... I mean, I guess so some folks, like, they hear sort of feedback and guidance as, like, criticism, which it's completely not, you know? Yeah. Like everybody knows everything, you know, and I, I was one of those know-it-alls at a point too. Um, a little bit of knowledge sometimes is a dangerous thing because if you know a little bit, you think you know it all. If you don't know shit at all, right. you know you'll you'll seek out some more information. But if you know just a little bit, um, I think it's tough sometimes. And I think, you know, people don't see the hard work. You know, mm-hmm. they'll see a UFC fighter like mm-hmm. that just seems to come out of nowhere because just because you just heard of them doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're new, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. with music too, it's like, or anything. Like you don't see the, the hard work and the years and hours yeah. and days of struggle. And then, you know, it's overnight success. Like there's never been an overnight success in anything. Like, in anything. They became very popular to you or to the world, or, you know, but 
yeah it, years and years and years of shit behind that you know you know and it's like it, even when you know make all these television shows and have all these projects like i'm able to be like creative but like mm -hmm. have to be creative within like somebody else's you know creativity or within right a 42 minute episode with act breaks here you can't do that and can't and your music's yours your music's yours you know it's like yeah. there isn't an executive being like well gary what if we tried you know it's uh, it's exactly that, you know. Like I had an opportunity to um, sell a, a beat to a you know, pretty prominent rapper a few years ago, and like they wanted me to change it a bunch, and like I should have just took the money, but I was like, no, nah, like, I'm not gonna do all that. Like it's not even sound like the same thing. Why do you even want my, you know, my beat now? You, you know, don't want to compromise because like, you're an artist and you're like, this is this is it, you know? Yeah, and it's like I, I was just being stubborn. Like I should have just sold them at a thousand of them and then <laughs> use that money for some good. But, well, like never, you know, never say never, right? Yeah, it's. I, I like to. I feel like once you like do that once, then you're gonna do it again. Then all of a sudden, I'm gonna be like back in the same boat, you know. And it's kind of like. Yeah. I I like to make the music that I want to listen to, and I dabble in other things if I want to do it, just because I want to try it, or you know, if somebody asks me to, then mm -hmm. you know, I want to try to give them something. But for the most part, it's like. I'm not going to be able to, even if I was trying to compete, I'm not going to be able to compete mm -hmm. at their game, you know, 45-year-old mm -hmm. white dude, you know, Italian guy from Cleveland. I'm not going to, like, be able to compete mm -hmm. with young, you know, urban America and, like, try to make shit they do and how it sounds like. I have to, you know, if I want to be successful, which, you know, yeah, I would how do you like be people successful? to listen to my, Yeah, how do you be successful in hip-hop nowadays? I would like people just to listen to my music and yeah. enjoy it the way I do, you know, and as many people as I could get it to without, you know, killing myself or like having to compromise too much of the other things in my life. Cause you know, making the money doing what I, you know, do normally is help my family and help my friends and help me build a studio to help other people. And so I got to keep like a certain amount of income coming in and I would rather sell my soul in something that I don't love as much as opposed to like try to sell my soul and music, which is something I do love. And I've, right. I've been blessed to like not have to like really quote unquote sell my soul too much in the television world. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've uh -huh. mainly worked on stuff that's like helping young fighters or, you know, different people get different to their exposure. Goal and, yeah. And not so much just like exploiting people for, you know, uh -huh. for money, which is a lot, which a lot of television is. But um, totally. you know, I work with a lot of like really good people and, Fighting is like, it's like, like you said, comedy or any of these things. It's like hard work, dedication, and like yeah. very few people make it. But when you see someone that makes it, like you could tell why they made it. If you were in the UFC or, uh, you, you know, you were doing, you were in getting into the boxing ring, what would be your come out music? I've never thought about that except one billion times in the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, I have a new podcast coming now called Bars and Scars. A little plug there. Oh, great. But, uh, it's going to be very heavily combat and uh, music oriented, but that's a big cool. topic that I want to talk about. So I'm glad you asked me that. Um, I, I don't know because I change all the time. Like, yeah. Thuggish Ruggish Bone is like Cleveland's song. And, okay. Like that is a thing. But then there's like a lot of MOP songs that make me like think I could beat Mike Tyson in my brain when I listen to them. Yeah. Um, and then, man, it's 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 a tough one. I uh, And then I'm like, I should make my own music. And like Roy Jones had his own songs. Actually, I don't know how his other songs are, but that one like worked really good. Um, 
like I, I don't know. And I've always thought Master P about it, about it. Like I've won a lot of fights in high school, and I was listening to that song. Oh wow! So, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, no, because I've always uh, wondered like what my walk-up music would be in baseball, and it's like the same thing. Like it always changes, you know. I'm like, oh, the theme song to Benny Hill, I think, would be fun. But then, like, you have the guy, <laughs> there was a, a player on Oakland on the uh, athletics who chose the sax part uh, from that George Michael song. Uh, you know, never gonna see you again, guilty, feeling I got no rhythm. That song, yeah. like, they t he comes out to the... Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> I'm just like, that's pretty amazing. But that's baseball. Boxing, I mean, you got to come out with that. I mean, you got to get the crowd pumped, right? It's not just Sometimes, you. Sometimes, you know? like... Anderson Silva came out to Ain't No Sunshine, and that was really? like, the best walkout of all time. He wow. always came out to that. It would go completely dark in the fucking, wow. you know, dark in the arena, and then hear it, like, you know, and it'll be like, That's cool. Give you chills, you know, and like, some sometimes, like, the juxtaposition certainly works. And sometimes people just pick goofy shit all the time, and it's like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, Tom Lawrence. <laughs> A good friend of mine, but he would come out to like "Come On Eileen" or like "Oh Rick Music," <laughs> like campy, like shit, like that. Like it yeah. fit his personality, so it works. That's and great. Sometimes people try to do that, and it's just flops because it's not really. You know, they're trying to do it because they saw someone else do it. But um, yeah, there's you know, like uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Wanderlei Silva. Yeah. They call him the axe murderer. He's the scariest looking dude that's ever been in the UFC. But he used to come out to that Darud Sandstorm song. That, -na 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 -na, -na 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 -na, that like one techno song that everybody knows. And, yeah. like, he never would have thought it. But like now I think of like a guy getting kicked in the face over and over again when I hear that music. And, not, right, like, yeah. Waves and you're associated. Yeah, you're yeah. associated with the fighter. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, man. Oh, so recently, I don't know if it was the source who did a poll. I, I don't know how they came up with this or how many or who was asked. But somehow on this list of the greatest, maybe 50 or 100 beats of all time. Shook Ones Part 2. Yes. And what's your what's your thought on that? That's up there. And that I, I have some friends that have walked out to that song. Like Rashad Evans came out to that song. I mean, it's incredible. It's a great beat. It's I just don't know if it's number one. That's what's so tough about those lists. Yeah, it's it's in my top ten for sure. For sure, I, I would say. You know, for I sure. think like one of the songs that I uh, I sent in is what I think is my favorite beat. But I think uh, it's man, it's up there. Like shook one, like that's a, a that gives an emotion to mm -hmm. a person. Like that, I hear that and I want to fight people. Yeah. Like it, it's not necessarily <laughs> the best emotion in the world to have, but like, it's it's good for the moment. When you're in there, right? Yeah, it's like, just, and think like, you know. It's haunting. When, it's a good haunting beat, you know. Yeah. What like people really have to dark. work with. Yeah. yeah. Very, very, very dark, you know. It's like, I can make the most beautiful shit you've ever seen in your life with AI right now, you know. But like, uh, I respect like. Yeah. People that had a paintbrush and like, all the way back to like, using berries and shit to make the colors of the paint, you know. Like, yeah. It's yeah. crazy, right? And like, crazy. these guys that made this music, you know. Like cutting up actual tapes or only like very small samples off records and like kind of yeah. or whatever and then had a layer on top of each other and yeah you know yeah like there's like uh, apollo brown's probably my favorite current ish you know he's been around a long time but producer and like he just has the best sampling and mm. you know there's singing or whatever like as part of the beat that he's created yeah like, i love but, that man there's 
like that's that's like a guy that really influenced me when I started making beats myself and just um, yeah ninth wonder and ninth uh, wonder and, wow yeah there's a, a thing called rhythm roulette I don't know if they do it anymore I don't think they do but it was on Mass Appeal's YouTube page mm. and they would go to a record store with you know premiere ninth wonder uh, fuck why like all these huge wow. DJs yeah and they would pick three records blindly. And then they would have to go home and like make a beat, you know. Wow. And the shit they come up with, they're like, God, it's good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like That's a neat Western project. Band. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, you should check it out. Like, it's for sure. It's, re- it's really cool how they do it. And then, you know, the guy, Mr. Green, and he would like hit these like sounds from the streets. So he had it's like a little recorder, like a Home Alone tape recorder type thing. And he would just go like Subway Sound or like, you know, a street band or like some just random shit. And you record all these sounds and come back and then use it to make beats and like came out really good. And uh, wow, that's amazing. One time I uh, I met and I interviewed Method Man, and as a goof, I said, uh, you know, maybe I could join you guys. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like joking around with me. And I'm like, I could replace you, God. He gave me the hardest look. <laughs> He got so upset that I said that, but it was also like weird because he he like knew I was joking and like he was joking about you, God. You know what I mean? It was like one of these weird situations. But man, he gave me a look, and I'm like, you know, I can replace you, God. <laughs> God. But man, yeah. you know the crap that these guys have and like the influence on everything. You know, uh, you know the fact that you're still listening to music and discovering new things is just like. That's what I think is just like amazing, right? It just, it never kind of ends. And the other stuff, you know, I love hearing stuff that I've never even heard before. And I'm just like, oh my God. Or like, you'll remember things. Like the other day, I'm, I'm playing Redhead Kingpin. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, wow. You know, like there's so much history and there's so much that needs to be heard out there. Uh, wow. What an interesting life you've had, Brother Gary. I got to say, really. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and I want to thank you so much for being on the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. Uh, Brother Gary DeFranco, uh, please check out his link, which is below in the description uh, to this program, but uh, you can also listen to this right now. Just go to uh, Max Glow Net. That's M-A-X-G-L-O-W-E-N-T.com. Uh, to learn more about Brother Gary DeFranco. Gary, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Anytime you want me to come on, for sure. And uh, I got my, uh, I got a spinoff podcast that's going to deal with a lot of music, and you're welcome to come on anytime for that. And um, right on. I like the walkout question that you asked, like something I always think about. So I think, like, yeah. people, nice. anyone that has watched boxing or fighting, I think has thought about that. So even if they're not into it, like, they've oh, yeah. thought about it. So I think it's definitely a good topic. And, yeah. um, you know, anybody like you that's passionate about music, like, I think are the people that are keeping the good stuff alive. You know, yeah. there's a lot of Justin Bieber out there and stuff like that that's you know, millions yeah. of dollars are put behind the marketing. That's he's not talented, yeah. but that's gonna always be there. Yeah. So, but people like you are the ones that are keeping like the underground alive and keeping the old stuff relevant. So, definitely appreciate that. Uh, very knowledgeable. So fantastic talking with you, Gary. Thank you again. I appreciate you for sure. You're listening to the Rainbow Flipping Musical Explosion. You're listening to the Rainbow Flipping Music Explosion. Yeah.
Everybody knows that I'm number one, 'cause I'm rapid. I'm rapid. I'm rap, rap, rapid. I'm rapid. I'm rapid. I'm rapid to you, rapid. I'm rapid. I'm rapid. I'm rap, rap, rapid. I'm rap, 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 rapid. I'm rapping all day and I'm rapping all night. Come on, I'm rapping to the beat and I'm rapping. Well done. That was fantastic. And thank you for introducing us all to the world of rap music. For a holiday treat that'll bring good cheer to every family gathering, try the Kentucky Fried Chicken Holiday Special. Twelve pieces of delicious fried chicken, large salad, large potatoes and gravy with six rolls, all for only $8.99. It's a perfect way to spend more holiday time with your family. The Kentucky Fried Chicken Holiday Special through December, wherever you see this banner. With Kentucky Fried Chicken, make your holidays bright. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. The canoe message. It's spelled C. Come on over. A. Alone. N. Now. O. Okay. E. Etc. Etc. Canoe. The man's cologne from Dana. Wear it. She'll get the message. Oh. C A N O E. Canoe. Canoe. Lovemaking, what do you say we eat? So please, Mr. D'Agostino, move closer to me. Mm. USDA choice beef shoulder for London broil, one eighty-nine a pound at D'Agostino. This is the Rainbow Flipper Musical Explosion. I am your host, CZG123. I want to thank you so much for being with me and for listening to that marvelous segment of mine, which I call Why Music, where I speak to different people about what got them into music. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share and uh, subscribe, as I said. Uh, listen to it on most major podcast platforms. And as you know, um, you can always visit czg123.blogspot.com. You can follow there as well. And uh, what was that other thing I was supposed to tell you? Oh, yeah, new episodes every Tuesday and every Thursday. So do check back. And uh, I'm telling you, I love that segment of my music because it's so much fun to hear where other people uh, got their introduction to music and what it means to them, how it's helped them, which is interesting to me because music does help. Anyways, I could go on and on. And uh, I just want to thank all of you. So uh, do take care of yourselves. And I uh, look forward to another Rainbow Flipper musical explosion uh, next time that you listen. When you tune in, when you drop out, that is when the flipper is exploding. Until next time, please wear your goggles and make sure your helmet is on with 
the, sh the shin guides and you flip this. 